All right, here we are. This should be episode number seven of the Working 218 podcast. I am your host, Craig Johnson, and I'm joined today by Kevin Vogel of Safari North. Kevin, the mission of the podcast is simple. Working 218 is out to connect entrepreneurs through a collection of stories, learning what passions have landed and or kept them here to live their dream of owning and operating their businesses in northern Minnesota. Makes sense? Makes perfect sense. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know we we talked a little bit before this. You have no experience with podcasting. You don't listen to them. You don't know how. That is true. And look at you. Now you're on one. (laughs) Here we we are. (laughs) So the whole reason for the podcast is not only to let people know of you, but hopefully we get to know you as a person, which I've been fortunate enough to get to know you through the years. Um, But people will get to know you. They'll get to know a little bit about your business and why you chose the 218 area code to reside and grow, (laughs) pun intended, (laughs) your business. So welcome to the area. Well, thanks for having me. You've been here how long? Three years now? Four? Oh, no. This will be our sixth year that we were open, and we actually bought it in 13. So this will be our seventh year up here. How do I not know these things? <laughs> yeah, I bought it from you. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So I, it, it's, I can't believe it's been that long. I know. It, it has just flown by. It's unreal. So what I like to do first is get people, you know, kind of... To know you a little bit, so give me, give us a little bit of your background. Where did you start? Where, how did all this begin? It yeah. uh, started with a pet raccoon. Actually, uh, grew up in southern Minnesota, southwestern Minnesota. Uh, graduated from Springfield, which is uh, kind of down by the New Wall and Redwood Falls area. And uh, when uh, when I was young, my folks farmed, and I was probably about. Uh, 10, 12 years old, helping my dad in the field, and he wanted to know what I wanted for helping him, and I said I wanted a pet raccoon, and uh, we ended up finding a game farm and bought a raccoon, and from there it just took off, so I got a raccoon, and then a fox, and a ferret, and a deer, and you know, 40 years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> the animals are a little bit more exotic. A so, little bit, a little bit. Um, so that's crazy, I all started with a pet raccoon, and that's what you wanted for pay. Yeah. Yep, that's what I wanted. I grew up watching uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, you know, with Marlon Perkins and Jim Fowler, and and uh, that's what I wanted. How old were you when you got the pet raccoon? You know, I don't know exactly, but right around 10, 12 years old. So as a kid? Yes. So as a kid, you wanted to work with animals? I did. I really did. I always wanted to have my own zoo ever since I can ever remember. That's... That surprises me that some, I mean, that it starts that young and you stay with it and here you are. Yeah, here we are. 2019 with a zoo. (laughs) With a zoo. (laughs) So the Safari North, if you guys don't know where this is, it's, you know, five minutes south of Brainerd, maybe seven minutes. It's a mile and a half south of the bypass exit where business 371 and 371 go north um, on the south side of Brainerd. Yeah, right. Two miles north of the Welcome Center. Ah, you know, I never did yeah. associate it that way. Yeah. That's a that's probably a better way. So if you're coming north out of the 612 or the 320, uh, we're two miles north of the Welcome Center in Brainerd. Yes. On the left-hand side. Can't miss it. No, you cannot. So I have to say, the amount of work that you've put into that place is amazing. It's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's uh, to give you guys a little bit of a background. Uh, Kevin said that you you'd bought the property from us, mm-hmm. and uh, we you know it was 
it was a motocross track before for seven years and it was kind of a zoo before but just yeah. a little bit different <laughs> so it was a bunch of kids playing in the dirt and i know how much work we had into that place and and to see all of the work you've done to me is simply amazing yeah we've we've uh We've done a lot of work to it out there, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a challenge at sometimes, but but it's starting to come together. Starting to seven <laughs> years, I think it's together. <laughs> I got a long ways to go. <laughs> so what I want to do with this show is we're going to talk just sit here randomly like we are chatting. Um, there's always people that want to start businesses. Mm -hmm. um, there's what did I hear? There's like six hundred thousand. Small businesses started every year. Most of them fail. Okay, uh, it's because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to do it. They don't know where to get help. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's I've I've been through this a bunch of times. I'm sure you have. Yep. And uh, I just I feel like this is maybe a way we can help everybody else. I'm not an expert by no means. Me either. So I'm hoping to gain some stuff from everybody that I have on the show. Sure. Um, and then I hope that everybody else picks up a little knowledge along the way, and then everybody succeeds. So yes. my goal is to, you know, all of 218 to be successful and everybody to be successful together. So that's where, you know, this random conversation, I'm going to uh -huh. take some notes. Don't get startled. Just keep talking because I just want to pick some stuff up. And if I happen to say something too, just snag me and say, Hey, there's a lesson in that. Sure. You know, sure. so, so talked about all the work that you put into this place. And, you know, every small business has struggles, mm -hmm. starting up especially. especially. Um, and, you know, you got to be able to reach out and ask for help all the time. And that's a huge thing. And that's one thing I've thought is very cool about you is whenever you've questioned anything that's out there, you've always given me a call. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> we're not from this area. So who do I know that is a reliable plumber or electrician? Well, why not call somebody that, that has a business up here, you know? So, I mean, if you have those resources at hand, you're, you know, you're foolish not to use them, you know? And, and uh, you know, education costs money. It don't matter how you get it, but why pay for something, you know, that doesn't work if you don't have to? So, you know, always, you know, if you can, reach out to somebody for sure. Yeah, and you say education costs money, and if you want to learn it yourself, sometimes it's more expensive than having somebody <laughs> else is. to come and do it. I, I mean, you can go to a four-year college, or you can, you know, <laughs> wreck something. I mean, either way, you're going to pay for it. I mean, yeah. it, it's, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> and I think some of the people that I've suggested, I don't know that they're even online. They're so busy, these small little shops, and they do such good work, and they're so affordable. You can't, without that... Networking, uh -huh. you know, being able to call and help, and mm -hmm. you, you may not have found the same places. Exactly, exactly. That's that's true, you know, especially like, uh, you know, some of maybe these older businesses, you know, these, these folks that might be, you know, closer to retirement, you know, maybe they've done it for 50 years and they don't really understand Facebook or the Internet. And, and uh, you know, so how do you reach out to those places? Well, you know, I think the most important thing in business is networking. And, and I don't think, you know, you can network, you know, we're in the zoo business, so we don't just network with, with the zoo animals. I mean, obviously Craig's into the motorcycles, so you, but he still has resources that we can use. So it's very, I think networking is probably the most important thing in a business. You mentioned networking in the zoo business. I, how is that? I mean, there's, do, the closest zoo I know is about a half an hour south of us. Do you guys 
talk and work together? Or? Um, not really so much with them. Uh, they're a city-owned zoo. It's a little bit of a different uh, program down there. I mean, not they're great people. You know, I've talked to them. You know, there, there's nothing like that. I mean, they're 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 great, but um, it's totally different compared to like a private in, industry and stuff. So um, a lot of my networking, you know is done with other friends that are in, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Texas, things like that. So how, like, if you get sick animals, I'm sure. Uh -huh. So you get a sick, exotic monkey. Mm -hmm. Where do you go? Do the local vets, are they able to help you? Yeah, we, we use a couple local vets. We use one up here in Brainerd, uh, Greg Harms. We've used him several times. Great guy. Um, and then we also use one down in Pierce and, uh, they're also a great clinic and stuff. So what I always tell people, you know, for the most part, penicillin's penicillin, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, there's just because it's a monkey, it doesn't, you know, it's not that far off. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, that's crazy. Cause I would think it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes the way you have to administer it is a little bit of a challenge. You know, I mean, if you're working with a you know, a big tiger and you got to give him a shot. Well, you just don't walk in there and do that. So that way you got to be a little bit of different, but as far as the general veterinary care, it, it's not that difficult. You mentioned the tigers. I got to come out there. Yeah, I think it's been two years already. Could be. So, and I've only been out there twice, I think. So to back this up, it was real hard for me to come out there the I first can time. I can imagine. We had so much work into it and it's not hardly recognizable now. Um, but I remember the first time we went out, I was just amazed at how much work was done, but how nice everything is laid out. Cause when you go by on the highway, it doesn't look, it doesn't nearly it, like it does. And that's one of those double edged swords kind of for me that it's great to be right on the main highway, but you're driving by, you only see a glimpse of it. And a lot of people think, well, that's all that's there. And, and there's, you know, just so much more than what you see driving by the highway. So it, it's kind of that double edged sword. Sure. It definitely gets your attention, though, it going does. by on the highway. So you've done a nice job with the sign that looks really good out front. Um, one of the things that you did uh, that amazed me the most is, and you can't see it from the highway, is the trail that walks through the place, the, yes. through the woods. Yeah. We, it started out, we called it the North American Trail, and we carved it through the woods, and, and we had a lot of really you know unique and cool animals in there. The, the cougars and, and just all kinds of North American stuff, the wolves and black bears. Um, as we expand and keep growing, uh, it's getting mixed up a little bit now. So we're having some primates and, and different things in there. But it's just a, it's a great uh, trail that, that's in the woods that, you know, it's in a natural setting. And we just kind of follow some natural trails that are in there. Or some old motorcycle pass once in a while. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that might be in there. But uh, it, it's really cool. I think the coolest part about that trail is even when you walk in, you walk through the gate, you almost can't even see it there, the way it's tucked in. It looks so, it's it it's very nice. It, thank you. It's true, yes. you uh, And even if you're walking along the old outside of it, you don't see what's what's inside. I mean, you, you really have to walk the trail to, to appreciate it. And you've added, now this is seven years, that just amazes me. Every year you've added something, haven't you? We add every single year, yes. And this year, what's new? The otters, was it you were saying? Yeah, we have a really cool exhibit going up right now. We're almost done with it. Uh, it's going to be North American uh, otters. The cool part about this exhibit is that we are going to have a glass uh, 
aquarium, if you want to say, a viewing area where you can watch them swim underwater and things. They'll have a 5,000-gallon uh, pool that they can swim in. And uh, you'll be able to watch them swim in underwater. And uh, so it's going to be really, really cool. So, Huh. That is cool. And then I saw, I remember, I think the most amazing thing to me was the eagles. Yeah. Bald eagles. Bald eagles. Tell us the deal with that. You can't just have a bald eagle. No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get the bald eagles? It's a lot of paperwork. It took me about nine months of paperwork. Um, and I could have done a little faster, but I had a few other things going on. But it was about nine months of paperwork. It's, it's through the federal government. So the federal government owns all the eagles. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't matter who you are, San Diego Zoo or me, the, the paperwork is all the same. And the only eagles that any institute is allowed to have are non-releasables. So these are eagles that were maybe shot or uh, lead poisoning, hit by a car, and they cannot no longer be released. So they're looking for places to place them. That's really cool. And you have to have a zoo to do this, or can people have them at home? No, you can't. There's certain requirements. There's different permits and stuff. There's some educational permits. Like if you're going around to schools and stuff, you can get that permit. Uh, we have an exhibitor's permit is what we have. Hmm. That's that's interesting to me. So the animal loan program, I guess you could call that. Yes. From the federal <laughs> From government. From the federal government, yes. So do they pay you to feed them then? No, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> that hardly no. seems fair. In fact, I have to pay them, <laughs> you know, a permit fee every year. So, <laughs> Do they ever come and check on them? They don't. Um, they can. I mean, they have the, you know, that's part of the permit. They can come anytime and inspect. But as long as there's no complaints or anything like that, and, and we do have, other licenses with the federal government and stuff. So if there was issues, trust me, they would find out about it. Sure. So the animal loan program from the federal government um, reminded me, so I wrote this down, all of the animals at the zoo don't belong to you necessarily, do they? Or are they? Are you getting it to where they are now? The only, uh, the eagles are not ours, and then uh, the two grizzly bears are not ours. Everything else is ours. Did you used to have, um, it was out by the road where, animals from like on lease from other places or do you zoo swap animals from time to time they, they do uh zoos work together you know if, if you need uh, a certain maybe a, a breeder male or something uh you know and your buddy might have one you know you can loan one from them uh so there is some you know kind of goes back to that networking again you know you kind of help me i help you most everybody would rather sell it but uh, there is some loans that are out there huh that's that's interesting as well. <laughs> like Hertz Rent-A-Cat. That's kind of exactly <laughs> it, yes. <laughs> so when you first moved into the place, you literally had to redo everything, starting at the building. The interior of the building, you started completely, almost started over, didn't you? We did. We did. And um, I hired a guy from Florida uh, that had been in the zoo business his whole life. And he kind of retired, did a little bit... Uh, went a different route, did some counseling and consultation, I guess I should say. And uh, so we hired him to come up and, and I had the animals and I didn't need help knowing how to build a pen, but I could not, I couldn't see the layout. So I, we hired him and uh, it was a big asset because I think he did a good job of, of helping us lay it out. So the struggle was the layout. Is that because of the way the property sits with it's kind of like comes to a point there right at the highway it's kind of a pie shape um you know i never built a zoo before you know so i, I couldn't 
I couldn't figure out the traffic flow. I, I just, I, I could not see it. You know, I mean, I get it now after, you know, I got the blueprints and stuff, but, but, uh, you know, this was one of the top guys in the industry. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to do it, let's do it right. But, um, yeah, once, once I just had that little direction, you know, then, then things come together. That's another interesting point that I wrote down is one of the lessons there is don't be afraid to ask for help. No. I mean, you knew since you were a kid you wanted to do this, and now it came time you had the chance to do it. You're like, oh, I don't want to screw this up. I better ask for some help. Yeah, don't let your ego get in your way. You know, don't don't uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. And and uh, you know, it, it's you're the one writing the checks. So if you want to do it, do it right. Right. Well, and there again, you could learn that lesson the yeah. expensive way. Education costs money. <laughs> in that case, it could cost you everything you own if you don't yeah. do it right. Right. You know. Um. So layout, which is something that not being a zoo owner, I probably would not think of. You know, as I walk into the place, I guess naturally I'm going to stay to the right. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, Target, Walmart, that's why all these places are laid out the way they are. It's because the science of the way people travel or, okay. you know, on foot. Yes. So it makes perfect sense with the zoo that, yeah, let's yeah. keep that in check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all kind of just fell into place there. So you had to figure out the layout. That was the first thing you had to do. Yes. How many miles of fencing is out there? I don't know. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Because I think I was, that's one of the first things I noticed when I was out there. I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of fence <laughs> there's here. There's a lot of fence there, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, first of all, we fenced the whole 43 acres in under eight foot. So, I mean, there's a lot of fence there. And then all the other pens and exhibits and then all the... The split rail fence, you know, for the guard fence, and there, there's a lot of fence. Yeah, and that's what I'm. And between all of the yeah. different fencing, it's just crazy. That's <laughs> really cool. Um, so you got the layout. You had a a bit of an issue, I remember, with water in the back, like when you were laying out that trail. Maybe that was just the time of year that I was there. But that whole rock trail that you put in for the golf cart for yeah. your golf cart, basically. We we've had a little bit of an issue. We've struggled. Uh, you know, a couple of years with some water and some issues in some areas. And uh, we're getting a little bit better at it. We have our own pumps now. So, uh, you know, we've been pumping here, uh, you know, what is it, the end of March? We've been pumping for about a week now. And, uh, you know, getting ahead of the game here this year finally and stuff. So we're finally getting that part figured out here a little bit. But I think, you know, we're pretty low compared to the highway. I, I'm afraid we're always going to have somewhat of an issue, some every year just a little bit a little bit yeah and as you learn it and get ahead of it it'll i mean it'll get easier every year it will it i know will. i had the same struggle every year um we took i mean it seemed like literally two inches changed to what we called the pit area mm -hmm. which i think now you have like a playground and okay all kinds of stuff out there but it was you know get a grader out there and just change it just a little bit and then the next year it was a little bit better we, we had a major problem last year uh with all the frost in the ground and, and, and being wet all the year before the wet fall and our, the main road just completely fell apart last year. And uh, we ended up before we could even open putting 77 loads of crushed concrete on that road. And uh, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> There's no expense in owning a zoo, right? No, we just... <laughs> You just collect our money to come and walk That's around. That's exactly it. it. No, yeah, the animals feed themselves. The workers are all volunteers. You know, 
<laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about um, workers. So you have a bunch of workers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, how many employees does it take to run a zoo? In the off season, like we are right now, we have uh, six staff uh, that are on. We have about three to four that come on every day, and then we have two of them that that come in, and then they're probably working maybe twenty to thirty hours per week. And uh, in the summertime, once we're open, it'll take about twenty-five workers. Uh, we'll have about ten to twelve every day. Um, during the week, it might be a little bit less, and then on the weekends, of course, we're busier, so we'll have a couple extra workers. But but yeah, it takes a pretty full staff that's quite a few people and that's a lot of organization it is it really is (laughs) (laughs) um is it your wife that takes care of that or is it you kelly's not here today no your wife wife. she's uh yeah she didn't figure she had the face for podcasting (laughs) i guess you know (laughs) (laughs) shout out to kelly we know who's doing the real work (laughs) exactly exactly that's true she's a hard worker and uh she does like all the scheduling for the workers and kind of deals with that part of it you know and and uh um you know, we're just starting to do some hiring now and, and that, but but she'll get the scheduling and all that put together. That's cool. Um, in the off season, so you put up, um, there's the big tall barn that we can see from the highway, mm-hmm. which is the giraffe house, yep. right? What's in the other barn? Last time I was out there, I think you were just about to put the floor in that. So that'll tell you how long it's been. So what are these employees in the off season doing? Um, of course, they're, they're feeding every day, but... Um, cleaning the winter is really a, a lot of cleaning because everything is indoors so so you're, we're cleaning all the time um, you know we go through a pallet of wood shavings a week every week is a pallet of wood shavings um, so we have several barns out there the one like kind of closest to the road where the old racetrack was um, that's our hoofstock barn so the zebras and the wildebeest and all that stuff is in that barn for the winter time and then we have the draft barn and that's the big tall barn that you can see. And then right next to that, we just finished, um, last year we just finished it up and it, it, I call it the warm room. And uh, it's our, our largest barn that we have out there, but that's where we put all the, the primates and the kangaroos and the birds. And, and uh, you know, that's obviously, it's a heated barn. We keep it, you know, about 65 degrees. Um, we have four barns that we heat out there. So do the, do all the animals like the, the hoofed animals, do they grow winter hair even if they're not native to the area? Do they not not like you would say like uh <clears throat> like a horse? Yeah, like a like or like a deer around here might, you know, shed and then grow their winter coat. They will put on a little bit of a thicker coat, maybe, but not much. So you got it is that a heated barn too, or is their body heat enough? Their body heat is enough. <clears throat> uh, there's enough hoof stock in there, it'll stay about four fifty degrees and even in the very cold, I think New Year's Eve, I went out there and checked and, and you know, it was 20, 30 below or something on New Year's Eve this year, 20 below. And, and it was like 45 degrees in there. And that's just for Vostok because that's a comfortable setting. Sure. So how often are you monitoring temperatures in these buildings? All the time. All that's the what time. your employees are doing? Yeah. I mean, we're always doing it, you know, always. And uh, always checking, you know, and... I mean, you can tell, you know, once you get the employees been there for a little bit, they know if it's cold or too cold or, or not. So they're all pretty good about that. What? When do you actually open for the season? Uh, this year's May 11th. May 11th. So yeah. this this should post the week before you open. Okay. Um, so that's actually pretty good timing that's for you great. to get in here. Yeah. Um, so what has been your biggest struggle 
in getting this thing rolling? Going back to the very beginning, what was the big, the hardest thing then? And then from there, right, we'll go on after that. So, um, I'd say the one of the biggest struggles was uh, obviously was securing financing. Um, you know, it was a big project. You know, and and uh, I have a great bank back home that we work with, and that was wonderful. But then we also did part of an SBA loan, uh, Small Business Administration, and they're a great, you know, another resource for for small businesses to reach out to. But there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of paperwork. You know, they just don't give you that money. <laughs> I imagine, especially for a zoo. <laughs> yes, it, it it was quite the process, and that's that's. You know, when you got in a business that's just a little bit out of the normal realm, you know, then you better have your numbers together. And so that was kind of a big, um, one of our biggest, you know, hurdles, I guess. And once we got the financing secured, um, you know, building it wasn't too bad. And then, you know, another area that, that we struggle with a little bit is is advertising. Advertising is, uh, it's expensive. You know, and you can throw a lot of money out there, and unfortunately, you don't really know what works and what doesn't work. You know, we had an advertisement lady told us that there's an old saying in advertising that 50% of your money works in advertisement. You just don't know which 50%, and and there's a lot of truth to that. So advertisement is a big struggle. God, I almost think it's more like a 20% works, and you don't know which 20. Exactly. It's so tough. It really is, you know, And, and, you know, is it billboards is it facebook is it google adword i mean it's you know magazines i mean you know brochures there's just you know a million ways to spend your money and you don't really know what it's pretty hard to track it's really hard and i'm going through the same thing with my business is you know we we upped what we were doing in 2018 and our numbers showed it but like you're saying we don't know what worked exactly so our our thing going into 19 or now that we're in 19 is we're going to do just more of everything that we did. That was our, our philosophy. You know, when we first bought the place was we're just going to throw it out there and whatever <laughs> sticks sticks. I'm trying to be a little bit more smart about it now. And some of the stuff I'm pulling back from, you know, some of the little ads that, you know, are way out there that, that aren't really benefiting us, you know, but it, it, it is really you know, I think for a lot of businesses, advertisement is a struggle. Yeah, I think, uh, and you're, what is your target? I mean, you're looking for families. Yeah, that is our general target. You know, we want, I mean, we want everybody, but I mean, obviously, you know, our general target area is probably not the 19 to 20 year olds, you know, that's, you know, we get them, you know, and we're happy, but we want the the family vacationers. I mean, that's obviously is, is who we're trying to target and stuff. So, um, you know, that's kind of where we put our, you know, our advertisement. Obviously, we're not going to advertise in racing magazines, and you're not going to advertise in, in our animal magazines, right. you know. So you got to be a little bit smart about it, but it is tough. Yeah, it's really tough. So, you know, you have to pick who you're going for and then try to figure out how to get there, mm-hmm. which is a struggle. It's, you know, yeah, for me, it's going to be for anybody starting a business. I mean, anybody. It is. I mean, there's no... There's no formula that says, okay, you put $20,000 into this advertisement and you're going to get this. I mean, there's there's really no, there's no formula for it. So there's a, there's a lot of trial and error in advertisement. Yeah. I am learning that on Facebook, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can like put this pixel on your website and it'll actually track who goes uh, from Facebook to your website 
Yeah. And you can see if they spent money or if they did not, what they did there. I mean, it's it's almost haunting how much detail you can get we, from yeah, people. It, it really is. <clears throat> it is almost scary. We do some of the um, targeting, ad targeting and stuff, and, and you can track if they've seen your ad on your on their cell phone, on their laptop, on their, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, you can track if they came to the zoo. And, and, I mean, it's almost scary, the technology that's out there. Yeah, it's impressive. So, <clears throat> but it all costs money. Yeah, there's nothing free. <laughs> <laughs> it all costs money. No, you're exactly right. Everything costs money, which just popped into my head. Feed. Yes. Where do you get feed for all these things? Um, we work with uh, Leaf River Ag out of Wadena's where they're out of. But most of our feed that we feed is, is a, a Missouri or a Purina-based <clears throat> feed. And... Uh, which was bought by a Minnesota company, I think Land O'Lakes that bought all that. So we can get any type of feed that we need, you know, which which makes it pretty easy. So we can get the flamingo feed, we can get monkey chow. Um, that's Monkey really chow? Monkey chow, yeah. That's a thing? <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never it's, seen that. At it's $30 a bag. Around. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, we get our grain from them. And then uh, we have a farmer down by Little Falls that we get all our hay from. Okay. Uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, roadkill or hunting scrap. I know we've brought you our hunting scrap. Yeah, we do in the wintertime. We do feed some roadkill and uh, we do feed some hunting scrap, which which is great. We, we greatly appreciate that. Um, obviously, when we're open, we don't. But but in the wintertime, the off season, yes, we do. Which I don't think people realize that. Probably not. You know, probably you know we obviously haven't been up here that long. So. Yep. Um, it's probably not really instilled into a lot of their, their thinking, you know, if they see a roadkill, but no, we'd be happy to take it, you know, off season. So just because I know, and not everybody knows when you take people's hunting scraps or the, the roadkill you see, where does it go? Who gets it? It most of the time, a lot of the time the tigers will get it, but either that or the wolves or the cougars, you know, it's carnivore. Uh, sometimes the hyenas will get it. It just depends on what how much meat is on the bones left and, and things like that. So do they uh, fur and all if it's roadkill? Yes. Just yep. let them have it. They let them have it, yeah. And it, it's good because that's part of their natural diet. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's, I just, it's, I, like I said, most people don't know that you do that. Mm -hmm. um, I happen to know that, so we bring you all of our yep. hunting scraps. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something if you guys have any, if you're deer hunters, any hunters really yeah, any if hunters. you have any scrap and it's not zoo season yep. kevin will take it and we'll get your contact information here in just a little bit um so what else do you want to talk about kevin this is i mean it's been pretty cool what is the lesson that you could give somebody so the financing we talked about since you opened up mm -hmm. you know you got a year under your belt that wedded bliss goes away what's mm -hmm. been the struggle the struggle has been to uh you know keep your attendance numbers growing all the time. Um, you know, we, we started out our first year way higher than what I expected. The The second year, we actually dipped down. We, we lost about 600 in attendance the second year, which is not that big of a deal. And then every year after that now, we, we've had, you know, double-digit increases every year after that. So that's probably, you know, one of the biggest struggles is keeping it fresh, keeping it new, keeping people coming back. You know, we don't want the same thing every year. They why come back? So we always right. have to be adding, always changing 
always upgrading, trying to make it better, and, and things like that. So that, that's one of the struggles. I get that. And I think that in every business. Um, <clears throat> that's exactly. why there's turnover in inventory. It's why people come out with new products. So your new product is a new animal exactly. somewhere along the way. Exactly. That, and that's true. It doesn't matter if it's a hardware store or what. You, know, yep. you have to keep fresh product in there keep people coming back. The most impressive is those white tigers. They're pretty cool. They are super cool. And when <laughs> we when we came out to see them, they were talking to us. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty cool. They are they're really unique, and and uh, we're lucky to have them. You say you're lucky to have them. How do you get them? Uh, these come to us from a, a city zoo in Indiana. Uh, they didn't have the room to have them anymore, and and they didn't really know what they were going to do. And and luckily through networking, uh, <clears throat> somebody told them about us, and that's how we ended up with them. Huh. That's. There it is again. I mean, is there an ad space somewhere for zoo animals? There is. There is. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, you just don't find tigers on the website, you know, like that. Right. <laughs> um, but, like, this was kind of word of mouth type of deal. Huh. That's neat. And then you got the grizzlies. Yes. Which I thought were awesome also. They're, they're big. But they're the, big. the amazing part to me was the 10,000-volt fence to keep them at bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know, to be fair, you know they 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 they're so smart they can sense it, so it's not like they're you know they're getting it every day, you know. But uh, yeah, they bears are really smart and they're really sensitive, and, and they can just kind of just sense that electricity in the fence, and, and they don't even you know they never have to touch. Yeah, I say they didn't even come close. No, to they don't. It, I don't think close. so. No, no, they, they know. Well, that's pretty neat. So what you open up May eleventh? Yes. Um. What are what kind of hours do you have? How long are you open in the season? We're open May a lot. Uh, excuse me. We open May eleventh uh, every single day, seven days a week, nine a.m. to six p.m. We like to do our last ticket sale at five p.m. and our last day is September 29th this year. Can you get through that place in an hour? Fast. You <laughs> you can't possibly see everything. Not now. really. No. No. And I mean, you don't. We like to get out of there by about six, but I mean, if you're six thirty or something, I mean, we're definitely not going to throw you. Yeah, out, you know. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, my my advice is get there early. Spend yes. the whole day there. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things people often ask us is, you know, when are the animals more active? And usually early in the mornings, you know, when it's cooler, they're more active. Or sometimes actually around that four or five o'clock. Um, because they know it's getting climbed to closing time, so they a lot of animals get locked down at night, so they're a little bit more active. They want to go in. If it's hot during the middle of the afternoon, they're going to be laying around like you and I would too. So, but in the mornings is generally when they're more active. Hmm, that's good to know. So yeah. yeah, another reason to get there early. Just take the day off. You're open seven days a week, so seven use your day week. off. Come exactly, on. exactly. We have a snack shack, so you know, I mean, we got you know basic food and, and drinks, and beverages available also. So. Can people sit out in the parking lot and picnic or whatever? Absolutely. You got that whole grass area off the parking. Yeah, we have area. that a lot. You know, if they want to bring their own lunch, you know, they want to come in picnic, you know, and do that. That's absolutely fine. I mean, we're pretty easy to get along with. So if you buy the ticket, it's good for the whole day. Exactly. Awesome. So ticket price: fourteen ninety nine for adults, uh, thirteen and up, and nine ninety nine for uh, two to twelve. That plus tax to me is just not a lot of money after walking through the place. Not really, not for everything that we have, you know, considering like a movie ticket price, uh, you know, what a pizza costs, things like that. You know, you can spend as much time, you know, all day there if you like, you know. So, yeah, it's a good price. Um, extra things, 
you know, feeding the giraffes, riding a camel, <clears throat> gemstone mining sluice, you know, do cost extra. But you don't have to do them if you don't want to. Right. So you can actually, yeah, that's right. I forget you can feed the giraffes. You can feed the giraffes, yes. Was one sick when I was there? He, he might have been, yeah. But he's good now? Yeah, they're good, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, you know, everybody gets sick once in a while. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. but he's a little slow moving, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, that one doesn't look right. But he's, they're huge. I can't believe how, like, it, the most amazing thing to me was walking next to it, how big their stride is. You don't really appreciate it until you're standing right next to a giraffe, how big they really are. Right. You know. So, people, you have to go see this. Um, again, we'll go, what, two mile, mile and a half south of the split for 371, two miles north of... The, the welcome the center. Welcome center. I, I tell people we're we're five miles south of the Walmart stopping light. Stop light. Yeah, there you go. It's actually yeah, five miles from that one. Six yep. miles from two ten. Yes. See, it's coming back. It's to me. coming back. <laughs> so that's where you find them by driving there. You can parachute in, just land in the parking lot. I wouldn't land in the lion cage or the bear's <laughs> den. Um, ride your bicycle. However, that's where it is. Tell us online. Where can we find you? What's your website address, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, and all that stuff? www.safarinorth.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, I know we have Instagram, but my daughter takes care of that, so I have no idea how to. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lying if I told. I'd, I'd direct you somewhere else. So You'd be lying. I'd be lying. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, appreciate it. Like us on Facebook or recommend us, I guess, now and, and like us on Facebook. And uh, that would be wonderful. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you for coming in. I uh, appreciate having you stop by. And uh, we'll get my dad out there this summer. Yes. Maybe even before this thing airs. Um, so, folks, if you're listening, if you like what you're hearing, uh, let us know. Uh, working218 at gmail.com or Working218 on Facebook. We don't have the G. It's just Working apostrophe. Working218. Working218. Facebook at Working218 on Instagram and Twitter. You guys check in. Let me know what you want to hear. If you got businesses that you want to get on this show, get a hold of me. Uh, just shoot me an email and we'll make it happen. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you.